Hello, I'm Robin Gallagher and welcome to Ripples. Throughout our program, a series of guest speakers will share words of wisdom from their life experience and we will offer you a series of meditations so that you can take some time just to stop and listen to that voice within, that voice of the Spirit. So come and enjoy some inspired voices and treasured stillness and allow the ripple effect to begin. Hello and Happy New Year. I hope that your new year has started well and that you found a few moments recently to replenish the spirit. I'm thrilled to continue the journey with you this year and have an exciting program in store. This year, Ripples will be offered to you twice a term, in week four and in week eight of each school term in Australia. And following each conversation, we will continue to offer you a guided meditation to support you as you carve some time in your day for stillness and silence. Today on our program, I am delighted to welcome Ken Bryant. Ken has only very recently retired from his role as the Head of Service within the Catholic Life, Education and Mission Team at the Catholic Education Office, Diocese of Wollongong. Ken has had an extensive career in education. His teaching career began in Western Sydney in 1978, and in 1987 he was offered his first teaching position in the Wollongong Diocese at St Michael's Catholic Primary School in Nowra. From there he moved into numerous leadership positions, initially as an REC, then as an assistant principal and from there was appointed as principal at three of our schools including Gwenville, Ferry Meadow and in Shell Harbour. In 2013, Ken was awarded the leadership position as Head of Religious Education and Learning Services and this evolved to become the CLEM team in 2015. Ken has been involved in an extensive number of committees and has assisted in leading groups and pilgrimages to many places around the world. Ken has had a long association with Catholic Mission Australia and this has resulted in a strategic and innovative mission formation plan within our diocese. Due to this breadth of life experience, I was eager to learn more about Ken's insights on leadership what it is, and how he has sustained his extraordinary commitment over the years. Ken most generously shares stories which reveal the challenges and the joys of carrying out these roles, and at the same time are an expression of his deep wisdom and authentic leadership. So I am thrilled to share our conversation with you, where we delve into Ken's lived experience of leading the way. Ken, it is just so wonderful to have you on our program today. Lovely to be here, Robin. Lovely. Thank you. Ken, everyone I speak to cannot speak more highly of you. You are described by so many people that you work with as a man of great positivity, kindness, wisdom and humility. Your career in education is a remarkable one. From the moment you arrived in the diocese, your many skills were clearly evident and recognised And as a result of this, you moved into a number of leadership positions. Before sitting down today, I've spoken to a number of people about you. You've been described by anyone who works with you as a pastoral leader, someone who listens and empowers others. 
what do you believe are, are the important qualities of an effective and pastoral leader? Well, firstly, Robin, thank you for those very kind words and the introduction. Thank you. Um, in terms of um, being an effective leader, I think the first thing is to know yourself. Mm. And that's a great... It takes time and it takes a, a lot to know yourself and to know those whom you lead. So if you don't know the people that you are called to lead, and all of us have our blind spots, all of us have our strengths, all of us have our challenges as, mm. as people... But to know those and to be aware of those, both in yourself and in others, I think they're the essential starting blocks for, for an effective leader. And some might call that emotional intelligence, but I tend to think of it as an awareness, an awareness of self, an awareness of others. And I'm going to use this word just to be present, to be present in the moment with yourself and with others. So... Um, Without that awareness, I, I think you can be challenged in whatever may un, unfold. Mm-hmm. Um, I think leadership is about influence, um, both both matters or situations and perhaps others as well. And I believe a leader must have be, be guided by very particular principles. For me, clearly, it's it's having a deep connection with faith is important for me. But inherent to that, I think, is also the notion of the dignity of the human person, that the human person, whomever we deal with, has an inherent dignity that must be valued and treated um, with respect. Um, And I guess if... Unpacking the word pastoral, which you mentioned earlier... Yes, yes. ...aligns to that, I think, because um, pastoral sometimes can be misinterpreted as a a softness or an acquiescence to, to, to need, but... If we, if I think, if if we can, and this is always a challenge, but if we can discern the needs of the other and respond, keeping in mind the dignity of the other, mm. in a way that respects that dignity, but also can can move into a situation that may be challenging to them, but 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 opens up. So pastoral isn't necessarily just being soft and gentle with a no. person; it's providing. Moments of growth yes. for both yourself and, and those whom you lead. Um, the other thing I would think about leadership, particularly in education, but I think all leadership, is is knowing the principle of service. Mm-hmm. If we, if we, and if I do, step into any moment of leadership with self at centre, then that's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. It is about having a core belief that we enter into it with the notion of service, being servant leader. Mm. Um, I think we've got that great model as Christians in the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. But um, that notion of service to others is so important. So your question, I think, <laughs> was what are the qualities? Um, so in being yourself, for me, it's being authentic. So what you proclaim is what you witness and what you witness is what you proclaim. And that's never easy. It's always a challenge. That's life. We're human beings. Yes. But to strive for that um, and to strive for an integrity, so they go hand in hand in integrity and authenticity, slightly different. Um, and then to be driven, again, in relation to the other, 
by a spirit of compassion and ultimately of love, um, which is a simple concept but a big term. Yes. But um, probably that would be the underlying principle. Yeah. Oh. don't know if that answers your oh, question, Rob. It most certainly <laughs> does. most certainly does, Ken. Sure. I've no doubt that as you reflect on your career, many, yes. many experiences and many stories come to mind. Mm. Inevitably, for all of us in our careers, there's moments that perhaps have challenged, challenged us yep. and some of those moments can actually become catalysts for growth. Is there a moment that you can recall which, which has provided this for you, that, that catalyst for growth? Yeah, great question, Robin. Um, I pondered on this uh, for a while. And I went to a very early recollection that I have of when I began as a teacher. So uh, my background was, um, a, 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 I came from a relatively large family, but we had a very comfortable upbringing, in the same, a middle-class upbringing. We didn't, we didn't have great needs. We were well cared for. We were loved as, as a family. It was a great upbringing. We, didn't, we weren't rich, but we, nor were we on the margins. We were well looked after. And I can remember as... Um, so I was a middle-class kid, I suppose. I went to a university, Macquarie University, for study. And so gra- did I. Did you? Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll chat later. Yes. <laughs> um, and left Macquarie University. So, again, very... In those days, it was very monocultural, I suppose. And I was appointed... My first appointment was to the western suburbs of Sydney. And I'm ashamed to say I probably hadn't been west of Parramatta at that point in time, that my life was yes, elsewhere. Yes. Um, and I can remember going to where I was appointed was in Fairfield, in the, in, which was then on the outskirts of Sydney. And it was at that point in time, so I'm talking the late 70s, it was a, a challenged community, it was, it was marginalised, there was a lot of refugee, refugees coming into the area at that point in time. It was an area besotted by poverty, material poverty and also um, other sorts of poverty, I guess. Anyway, my first class there was this in 1979 was when I got my first class. It was a a year three class. So these beautiful eight-year-olds got lumbered with me as as their teacher. Um, And it was such a joy. It was a wonderful time. But I can remember, and and there was this range of kids who were who were gifted to me to, to lead for that year. And I can remember sitting with... There was a, early in the year, uh, here was me, this raw, middle-class kid. I was a kid. And um, I was given these young children. And there was a young boy, uh, I'll call him Caleb. Mm. So little Caleb came up to me. I can remember I'd asked them in setting up the classroom for the year um, just to, if they could bring in things to support the classroom, like... Uh, Whatever, whatever resources they could. Could they bring in containers for art and whatever? Mm. Young Caleb brought in, and I can still remember it, it was a Meadow Lee margarine container. And I went, oh, great, that's great. And I opened it and it, was, it hadn't been washed. It was, this is a simple story, mm. but it hadn't been washed. It was just full of dirty old smelly margarine. Mm. And I can remember saying to young Caleb, who give, who'd given it me with such giftedness like mm. he was smiling and his mm. eyes are lit up and here, here it is and without thinking that this young fellow who's this gift of God before me was giving me something that was actually quite significant for him and my response was at that point in time was I think I said thank you I hope mm. I said thank you as I look sure back but was when I opened it, I said 
can, can this is dirty. You need to wash this. And I can re- distinctly remember, it's a simple story, but it's so profound because he looked at me. I could see his crest, his mm. eyes and his face fell mm. at that point in time mm. because I, his world was different than mine. Yeah. And I had, in one sense, I think in his eyes, judged him in that moment. Mm. So going to your question, mm. a profound moment of learning from that for me was a recognition that I had been gifted with a life that others don't necessarily have and that I need to, if I'm going to serve these people, is to enter into a world in which I don't judge according to material goods but from the spirit. This young Caleb was giving with all he had. Mm. It was like the woman's mitre, the widow's mitre. It was that kind of gift. And um, it was a great learning curve. And uh, in the many, many kids I've had since, I hope um, I took that as a learning with me. Yeah, that's a... a it's a very simple story. Oh, but it's a <laughs> profound one, Ken. And yeah. these are the defining moments in, in all our careers that I think yeah. we, we hold on to and we, we draw on as, as the years go on. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Yes, yes. And there's many more. Oh, I'm, I'm sure we could do another podcast alone. <laughs> Ken, at the same time, I'm sure, sure there'd be so many unforgettable moments. Uh, you know, those moments that we hold on to, and they yes, become a real indeed. source of strength or hope, particularly on those days that are, you know, those harder days. And, yes, you, yes. and you need to go back to those treasured moments. Is there a moment that you could share with us today, one, one of those treasured moments that's been a, you know, a source of hope and strength <laughs> for you? Can, can I? There are so oh, many, Robert. I, I have <laughs> in no, a lifetime so of working in education and yeah. what we do, there is so much. Yeah. Um, can I just mention a couple please, briefly, and then I talk to one? Please do. I'd love you to. Um, I think in leadership, particularly in schools, it's such a privileged role because you are dealing with people and people's lives in in such a way. Not only students, but if, as you go into leadership, it's families, it's community, and. It's such a privileged position where people tell you aspects of their life story that they're telling, almost telling a stranger. Well, hopefully you're not a stranger to them, but it's like they're reaching beyond their circle of comfort to tell someone another. And I've been in that place of privilege many times. But one of the greatest joys I used to have was... um, (laughs) Anyone has never been in a kindergarten class since they were there it is worth gold it's just gold <laughs> I, I had you one I, I relate very much so just to wander into a kindergarten class and to see these kids and their lo- eyes would light up and they created this thing of paint and wool and glue and feathers and <laughs> masterpiece absolutely <laughs> And they would gift it to you yeah. with this just look of joy. And um, if there's anything that can fill the heart with joy, it's the it's these little kids yeah. that are so close to God in one yeah. sense that they and it's there is no there's such innocence and no there's there's no falseness about it. No. It's just or so guardedness. Absolutely, or no. yeah. yeah. But I suppose in more recent years, because my work in the last probably 10 years, it's been largely with adults. Yes, of course. Um, which has been very different, it's, but still no less blessed. Mm. Um, so one of the um, great pri- privileges I've had in these past years is working 
Well, alongside you, Robin. <laughs> but alongside, in an area, I suppose, of formation, mm-hmm. where you see, where you, where you go into the, in the fullness of the human person, particularly working in the area of spirituality and spiritual formation, and I'm, I'm not the regular facilitator, but I've been present, and I have facilitated, but regularly present at moments where where through pilgrimage or through opportunities or just through conversation where you see a person or a young person enter into a moment of, and I'm going to call it grace, but a moment of um, deeper connectedness with spirit, with their inner, their inner spirituality, with their God, and both as an accompanier to that and as the recipient I suppose of that story unfolding um, oh, that's uh, a moment of such yes. such joy yes yeah. yes such they're the, they're the gifts and the privileged moments aren't yeah, they Ken? indeed Robin yes and you do that all the time oh, in your work <laughs> I, I feel the same way I yeah. feel the same way they are real it, it is a true privilege yeah mm. so both the messy picture yes <laughs> They both express it. <laughs> they're all they're all such such yeah. treasured moments. Yes, yeah. yes. Ken, in your leadership role, you've also had to make some very very big mm. decisions along the way. How have you how have you discerned these bigger decisions, or what has been your approach or support structure as you've as you've made these decisions over the years? What have you drawn on? Yeah, thanks, Robin. I. I mean, I, th- I think in my positions that I've had, there that's been a call to make decisions because mm. anyone ent- entering into leadership is called to do that. Mm. But I, th- I think every single one of us is called to make life decisions, which are big decisions. Um, I was reflecting, as I looked at the question that you gave me beforehand, I, I looked at the life decisions that come, you know, where, who do I partner with? Who do I get married? When do I get married? Do I have children? Will I take this job opportunity? They're life decisions that we all, I think everyone faces. Oh, yes. And in leadership, in a designated leadership role, um, there's there's similar kind of decisions that are critical that influence the life and well-being of another. Yes. Um, You know, who do I appoint for this job? Where do I spend this money that I've been entrusted with for the betterment of others? Mm Um, I can't think of a more important decision, for example, in schools. The most important decision I, I could ever make was the person that I employed to put in front of the, the young people of our school for a year or for however many years that person was going to be there because it's such a privileged role, it's such an important role. And I can't think of a more important decision because it affects people's lives for perhaps generations such is the grace of teaching. Mm, yes. <laughs> um, so how did I do it? Um, with any big decision, I, I let it sit. There was always a moment of just sitting with the decision and um, I'm going to use the word discern. Mm. Um, I'm going to use the word prayer and that means a lot for different people but for me it, it's, it's stillness, it's quiet, it's letting the question sit within mm. and letting the inner voice come the God voice come through and go, this is the path, whether it's for a job or whether it's whatever that might be, and being open to listening to that. So 
that wonderful Benedictine saying of listen with the voice of your heart. Yes. So listen with the heart. And, and then there's a spaciousness needed in that, isn't there? You know, whether it be absolutely. time, but to really give it that time. Yes. And that spaciousness opens that invitation to, to, to God to speak. And to, to allow speak. ourselves that time. Yes. And then I suppose the other part of that is to trust the voice of others, others whom you trust, who you can w- walk alongside, the accompanier. Um, and sometimes that's not possible. As a, as a, well, as a principal of a school, but as a leader, sometimes you're, you're just hit with a, yes. a question, you need to make a decision on the spot. Mm. And you don't have that time. No. And you don't have that bouncing off with another. Um, but hopefully for the really big ones, the big life-changing decisions, you've got time. Um, so walking with another, walking with companions, trusted companions, like mind, not necessarily not necessarily like-minded, but like-spirited, mm. if that makes sense. Mm, it does. I often say, you know, those people who can bring wisdom to the decision. Yeah. You know, bring a bring a wisdom to it. Indeed. Mm. And then I suppose is um, in any decision. Then, if it's one that affects others, for me the process would include. Once, once it's, it, the decision's made through those processes um, is to outline the decision, explain the decision if need be, particularly if it's affecting others because there will always be someone that disagrees with the call, whatever the decision lands. But if the decision, if I go back to your initial questions, if the decision's made with, with, with principles underpinning it and with an authenticity and an integrity about the decision... Then, then to be able to speak to the decision in those with those parameters in mind, I've always found people, whilst they might disagree, and they think you know there should have been another call, yes. they'll they'll respect the decision, yes. and they'll and they'll ultimately they'll they will they will often usually support you as a person in in, in the implementation of that decision. And I've been blessed with the people I've worked with, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. And, and us too. Us too. Ken. <laughs> yeah. Ken, you have worked in the diocese for 34 years, predominantly in leadership positions. Yes. So, Ken, what has sustained you over those years? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it's lots of things, but, but some that come to mind. Sure. Um, primarily um, relationships. The people whom I trust, people who, who I, who, who I love, the family, family sustains relationships at work sustain. It's the maintenance of those good relationships. It, it's the walking along with, and alongside that, it goes back to the beginning. Look after yourself. Know yourself. Mm-hmm. Know others. Look after yourself. Look after others. So it's also looking after yourself, and. Um, <laughs> I could probably do this better, <laughs> get some exercise and all that kind of stuff, but the dimensions of looking after yourself, your own well-being, because if you're not in a space that is healthy and well, both spiritually, physically, emotionally, then you can't be asked to lead another. You can't be asked to go into a space where others are kind of dependent or looking to you for whatever you, you have to do in the leadership role. So it's looking after yourself. Mm. 
It's, it's interesting. In the last episode, we interviewed Patria King, and she was talking about just that importance of of doing that thing, self care, so that we bring our replenished self to whatever we might be facing. And when we bring that replenished self, we are then in a better position to to bring wisdom and give proper guidance, I suppose, to a to a context or a situation mm. that we're facing. Wise words. Mm. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Oh. <laughs> if you were to go back and talk to your 20-year-old self, what would you say to your 20-year-old self today? Let your hair grow longer because <laughs> you won't have it forever. <laughs> Wise words. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, so I, I, I guess I'm thinking, of, I guess I'm putting myself in that position because I, know, I can remember myself as a, a young person. So if I had the chance to do that to myself, I'd probably say things like, if I can, mm, to be the best version of yourself whenever possible, um, to know yourself, to know you've got failings, to, to own them, to be aware of them, and wherever possible... <laughs> to allow this, the gifts that you have to shine forth and to know of your own brokenness or, or whatever language you want to put around yes. that, to own that, to own that as well. For in that there's also a gift. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and to, to f- nourish them and allow to flourish the gift that you have to provide those opportunities. Um to know the principles by which you aspire to live and, and to know them deeply and embed them. Um, not, to, not just to proclaim them, but... Uh, and that's easier said than... All these things are easier said oh, than done. But, um, yes. Um, to live by them, honour them. Proclaim what you do by witness. But, but live it, live it. And then if you need to, that of some quite attributed to St Francis, you know, use words if you have to. Yeah. But live whatever you proclaim first. Um, and when you do fall and you do make the... Whatever the oh, word is. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is our humanity, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. It's our humanity. That's who we are as people. Mm. And we're undoubtedly going to make some blue somewhere along the way. Yes. Some poor decision, some action that's not true to who we say we are. Yes. And that's inevitable because it's who we are. We're human. But to learn from that, to listen to that, Mm. allow it, and to forgive yourself. Mm. To forgive yourself is so important. Absolutely. Because without forgiving yourself, you can't, I don't believe, forgive others. No. And forgiving others is so important too, particularly as a leader. Mm. If you carry the slings and arrows that fly your way as a Mm. leader with you all the time. Yeah. Um, And don't wait for the forgiveness or approval of others to do something if you... Again, coming back to knowing yourself and being true to yourself, and acknowledge that, mm. and 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 be strong and courageous enough, I suppose, to go through with that. It goes back to the nourish question: to nourish yourself, mm. um, particularly spiritually, which is often the space I think we collectively in this crazy in the society that we live in these days. Mm. That's often the the one area that is perhaps let go. Mm. Um, we tend to nourish ourselves food-wise mm. and, and there's so many things around us, but to offer ourselves space and time to nourish our own 
or in spirit, spirituality, whatever they might look like. Um, I don't know who said this quote, but you know the one that says something about laugh like no one's listening, dance yes. like no one's seeing, whatever that quote is. Yes, I love that one. <laughs> I, I love it. I can't think of who said it. Yes. But, um, but it's that kind of notion of, which again is coming back to be the fullness of yourself, yes. the fullness of life that you've been graced with. And if that leads you sometimes into a space where, as a leader, where that challenges other people, I kind of go a bit, so be it, yes. because you've got to be true to yourself. Yes. Um, and I guess for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with this one, I think. Um, and this, this, this comes to our, our Christian missiology, who we are called to be, that if we can be the very best of who we are, so if I was saying this to my 20-year-old self, yes. I'd be going, be the best you can be so that and this has grown in time for me, I wouldn't have said this when I was 20, yeah. so that the kingdom can be more readily recognised through you and through what you do now. Yes, yes. So um, I don't think my 20-year-old self would have understood that. No. <laughs> that would but have gone, what? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm sure, but what beautiful words, Ken. Oh, yeah. I I can't thank you enough, Ken, for... For our conversation today, and you know, as I reflect on on the words that you've shared, uh, I can't help but be drawn to those words of authenticity and integrity, because I think you you are you are a man of authenticity, and you are a man of integrity. And what I mean by that is that your words are matched by your actions, and I I've been so privileged to work with you, and I'm I'm excited by the next part of your journey as well. Mm. And I thank you for, for what you've done, for what you've done in education and what you have taught me and what you've taught so many others. And as you move into this next phase of retirement, I, I hope that you can go knowing that you have impacted the lives of so many people, so many people, yeah. Ken. So I say, I say thank you on the behalf of thousands of people and, and I wish you the best as you move into this next exciting phase and, and I've no doubt that there'll be wonderful adventures and wonderful opportunities in the, in the next number of years as well. So thank you so very much for, for being with us today. <laughs> oh, thank you, Robin. Thanks for the opportunity and oh. thanks. It's been absolute privilege and an honour and it's a great reflective exercise. But can I just commend you on this wonderful initiative? I think it's a, your vision for what this could be of... of supporting the world that's out there that listens to this um, it's a great wi- wisdom and vision and thank you oh, thank you so much Ken thank you for joining our program today if you would like to take some time now or later in the week to enjoy some treasured stillness and silence a shared experience of Christian meditation called the gift of silence is available on both Podbean and on Apple Podcast and is entitled Meditation 20. Have a lovely week and I look forward to being with you next time.